There's a word in Korean, inyon. It means providence or fate. Do you believe in that? That's just something Koreans say to seduce someone. story this is. Childhood sweethearts who reconnect 20 years later and realize they were meant for each other. In the story, I would be the evil white American husband standing in the way of destiny. Shut up. He was just this kid in my head for such a long time. I think I just missed him. Did he miss you? to be here. I'm not going to tell you that you can't see him or something. If you didn't go to Korea, would you have found you? Would we have married you? Would we have married you? Would we have married you? Why did you find me? I wanted to see you. If two strangers walk by each other in the street, clothes accidentally brush. It means there have been 8,000 layers of inyan between them. Want you to stay. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Derek Wong. Amir is off this week. He is busy at work. He's been swamped, so we are pulling double duty tonight, covering him with this week's episode. So this week we are talking about director and playwright Celine Song's feature film debut, Past Lives. The movie stars Greta Lee, Teo Yu, and John Magaro. And it is a semi-autobiographical account of Celine Song's own life about her experience as an immigrant and a reunion between two childhood friends as they contemplate their relationship and the different directions their lives have taken. So this movie premiered at Sundance to rave reviews, and I've seen it twice already. I missed the Sundance premiere since I covered the festival virtually, but I actually went to this after I missed my flash screening because of traffic and uh even though that movie still got to how would i say uh inflict its wounds upon me that night it was probably the best decision i ever made when did you see this derek i think i saw it last weekend i actually saw it over a week ago because i decided i also wanted to watch it the same weekend as the flash and you know maybe actually watch something good that weekend (laughs) did you take deborah no no it was just me This is a cute date movie, actually. Yeah, it is, actually. So the first time I went by myself, and it was close to the wide release opening. So I went to the Angelica Theater 
in Soho in New York City, and it was packed. It was surprisingly full, the theater. And I want to say like 75% of the theater was an Asian audience. Isn't that crazy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was really surprising and kind of nice to see. How was your theatrical experience? How many people were at the screening? I want to say it was like less than 15 or so. I mean, it wasn't a packed theater, but yeah, I was surprised to find that, you know, there was a good handful of people there wanting to watch this movie, which warmed my heart. Yeah, I guess a lot of people actually turned out to this. Yeah, I mean, finally some good food. <laughs> yes. I mean, I wouldn't say that because we've had a lot of good movies this year, but a lot of them have been like big blockbuster movies, genre films, horror movies and action movies, you know, John Wick 4, Across the Spider-Verse, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, a lot of big budget stuff that has actually been hitting quite well with audiences and with myself, actually. But this one is like a quieter, smaller movie and one that I actually really, really loved. A nice palate cleanser from all the blockbusters that we've been watching lately. Uh, what do you think? I absolutely have to agree. I fell in love with this movie. I think I would say, I don't know if I loved it until the end, but it's not because I didn't like what I was, you know, seeing for the, what, 140 runtime. It's just, I think the ending just hammers home how amazing this movie is to me. I love the ending of this movie, but I do love the journey that we're taking on. I don't even know if you can call it a love story, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could. Yeah. It's a very restrained one. And I think yeah, this is a common thread of some of the movies that I've been watching lately that I've been impressed by. You know, this one also has like a restraint to it that I really, really like. There's this verisimilitude, how real people might react to a situation like this. And one of the best things about the movie is probably the opening scene, which sets you up for something maybe a little different than what you ultimately get and i think that's what's kind of fun about this opening scene you know where you see Sung, nora and arthur mm -hmm. sitting at a bar kind of talking to each other but you don't hear any of the dialogue and it's these audience surrogate observers playing a guessing game as to what their relationships are with each other you know because nora and Sung are korean and then arthur is white so they're like, oh, are they siblings? And Arthur is Nora's boyfriend slash husband. Are they part of like a tour group? And Arthur is <laughs> their tour guide, you know? Mm -hmm. It's kind of setting up all these different scenarios. And if there is like a love triangle going on, maybe setting up a big dramatic blowout or melodrama. But there's none of that really in this movie, which I really, really liked in terms of the restraint and everything. If we're just diving into this opening scene... I think if you're reading like the body language a little bit, I mean, it definitely feels like Sung and Nora's character are clicking. They're the ones that seem to like be in love. And then there's just this guy like off to the side, right? Not really engaging in this conversation sure. who doesn't seem to be holding any interest. There is this image I think this movie is trying to portray at the beginning to only maybe subvert by the end. Yeah, it really upends that in a clever and smart way that yeah. it's very realistic and not overly melodramatic, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to give a brief synopsis before we jump into finer details? Yeah, so Greta Lee plays this woman named Nora, 
and Tao Yu plays Heisung. So they are these two deeply connected, I guess, childhood friends. They go their separate ways when Nora's family emigrates from South Korea to Canada and then ultimately the United States. So this movie does this 12-year time jump, 12 years after she emigrates. Nora and Heisung, they reunite, you know, by chance through Facebook. And they almost strike up a romance long distance. But then they decide to part ways again, and it isn't until another 12 years later that they reconnect again, and Heisung comes to the United States. But at this time, Nora has married Arthur, played by John Magaro, and they are both writers living in New York City. The crux of this movie is that Heisung is coming to the United States to visit Nora, and they reconnect through that one week, and they meet up. You know, it's about the relationship among the three of them, Nora, Heisung, and Arthur. Mm -hmm. And... It definitely does not go in the directions that you might think of something like this. It's a quieter movie. And what really resonated with me is that this movie is just about like decent people in a somewhat difficult situation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it's also a story about like immigrants and what happens when you're wrested away from your homeland, how that affects your upbringing, and then the relationships that you form in a new place. Basically, that's what this movie is about. Yeah, I think what really struck a chord with me, it plays into this fantasy of the what if. Mm -hmm. What if we actually, you know, it never shows that, right? It's not like La La Land where at the end shows what their lives would have been if they were together. But it kind of reminds me of that movie where it's like these two souls that do seem compatible, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, like I said at the beginning of this movie, were the ones that you deemed were the ones clicking. They're the ones that are in love. But I think this movie takes you on this journey. And I mean, spoilers, you kind of learn that they're not, you know, meant to be, right? Maybe in a past life, if things were different, you know, they Mm would have ended up together. But I love that this movie doesn't hold your hand in the way that I think some other movies might want to lead them back together somehow. That this is more sophisticated in a way that questions yes maybe they are great for each other but that's just not life that's not how life works and mm-hmm. Nora has found Arthur and then Sung, you know did find somebody else but is not with anyone at the moment his life also moves on and this is kind of just a week-long reconnection reconnection or like junction in their life mm-hmm. when i was leaving this movie thinking like well i could see a story and i mean this reminds me very much link later and you know the before series where like i could see a story in another 12 years nora and yeah, arthur absolutely. go to like korea again to see hey Sung. you know what i mean like that relationship is really tender and sweet and it's one of what you think is romance and the end kind of turns into just friendship Mm -hmm. there's more layers to it i want to dive deep into that too i mean in some ways i want to say that this is the ultimate multiverse movie (laughs) you know what i mean yeah i think that the cinematic zeitgeist has lost its footing on what the multiverse means with the flash and other movies and stuff like superhero movies they want to use the multiverse as like oh you know easy crutch for some cameos bring in characters from long ago that you want to see again that's not really what the multiverse is about right like it's about misconnections and the wrong timing and the what-ifs and branching paths and what could have been you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. this movie really goes into that like you said and i think it's very powerful Mm -hmm. because everyone can relate to something like that right like the choices you didn't make 
and the path you didn't take, you know, the people we let go of in the past. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, this is a very tender and very sad story, but in a way, it kind of breaks you into a million little pieces and then it puts you back together by the end. I think the performances are great. It might be a little sacrilege to say, you know, in a movie with two Asian leads out of the three, I think the white guy gives the best performance in this movie. <laughs> I love John Magaro as Arthur in this. Yeah. I think he strikes a different note than you would expect from, you know, he hangs a lampshade on the trope in the movie, right? He's like, oh, in the movies, you two are like the childhood sweethearts destined to be together, and I'm the evil white husband mm, yeah. getting in the way, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. he says that, and I just love the little, I don't know, idiosyncrasies he puts into the performance. There's like confusion and hurt and also a lot of supportiveness and love in that performance. I think it's great. I mean, Greta Lee and Taylor, you are great too. They're really, really good. Yeah. But they're like extra layers to John Magaro's Arthur that I really, really liked. His character is one that, what, he has to be supportive, but yet not jealous and not vindictive in a way that he would get in the way of what his wife needs to do. And like right. in any other kind of romance movie, especially like a rom-com, he would be the villain, right? He would be the guy that's holding Nora back somehow. It's a reason for Nora to leave him, to be with Sung. But that's not this character. This character of Arthur is yeah. very like understanding, supportive. I mean, he's kind of like husband goals. Maybe I should be more yeah. like Arthur, man. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but also in a very realistic way, because he's not yeah. like superhuman. Yeah. He still gets jealous. He's jealous mm-hmm. in the movie, right? He's like, oh, is he attractive? Is he handsome yeah. or whatever? Like that whole exchange is very, very funny. Yeah. Where... Nora's trying to dance around that she does find Hyesung attractive, but then she tries to undercut. It's like, oh, but in a very Korean, Korean way. way. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm not that kind of person anymore, which also goes into the immigrant identity. Oh, too, yeah. You know, like what parts of ourselves that we shed to integrate into a new environment. Mm-hmm. I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but there's this wonderful thread in this movie about tears crying she's like i used to cry a lot but now i don't cry so much anymore she's had to learn to harden herself coming to you know canada and then the united states where first she doesn't know the language and then the kids are making fun of her but then she can't really talk to her parents about it because you know they're not fluent in the language either and they're busy trying to make a living and make this american dream come true right so she's had to develop this shell as an immigrant to, you know, harden herself and not cry as much as she did. I think uh, Hayson always makes fun of her for being a crybaby in the beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. before they split up. But at the end of the movie, all those tears come back that she's been holding back for years and years and years, you know, just from this reconnection to her homeland and this person that she does have love for, but isn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I thought that was a really powerful thread, and I really did like that. Talking about some of the, like, the cultural specificity of this movie, I mean, there's this concept of inyong, right? Yeah. Like this idea that if, you know, you've bumped into each other, when you bump into someone, it's your souls reconnecting. You've maybe bumped into each other in the past, and it kind of goes with the themes of this movie, right? Or the way this movie is structured, these two people 
constantly bumping into each other. First uh-huh. knew each other in grade school and then reconnecting like 12 years later and then reconnecting another 12 years later, right? Think about any relationship you have in your life. You don't have that. You probably don't have that relationship with anyone, do you? Mm-hmm. Where you've left someone when you were like in sixth grade and you guys somehow connected when you got to college and then reconnected again when you're like have kids. It's very special, right? This kind of yeah. relationship that they have together is very special and like and we're kind of led to believe that it lends itself to this idea of this romance. These two keep bumping into each other because maybe they're meant to be together. Mm-hmm. Their past lives reincarnate in a way that their souls are meant to be. But, you know, I think one of the most tender and one of the most sincere and honest moments is I think it's Hey Sung that tells Arthur, you're her in Young. You were it the whole time. Mm-hmm. You guys are meant to be. And like, that's where I started to really love this movie. Mm-hmm. It really hammers home this idea like life doesn't work the way it does in the movies like we want romance to work in the movies it's about this relationship that arthur and Nora have built over the last 12 years the way they cuddle in bed with each other right the way they hold hands down the street the way they look at each other across the street you know from each other Mm -hmm. when they meet all that so meaningful seeing those small moments in this movie like really then accentuates why these two are meant to be together they're the in young that matters right i thought that was such a powerful message of this movie well i mean the way they fall in love is at that writer's retreat and then Mm -hmm. you know nora uses the in young concept as kind of like a pickup line with arthur right yeah she's talking about you know how Inyun means like this connection going back through past lives and like reincarnated. If two people are meant to be, then it's thousands and thousands of layers of Inyun across centuries and millennia culminated into a present day romance that's meant to be, right? Yeah. And that's quite powerful. Also very, very funny because Arthur is like, are you trying to like seduce me right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the look he gives her is very, very funny. A bit of face acting there that I really liked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the relationship between Arthur and Nora also isn't a cinematically, you know, whirlwind romance, right? They meet at a writer's retreat and they just happen to be there together and they fall in love and they're both writers and they end up together. There's no movie style meet cute for them. It's how a lot of people meet in real life, I feel. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think the movie portrays the affection between the two in a very matter-of-fact way. And just because there aren't, like, grand theatrics or anything like that doesn't mean there isn't love between two people. Like you said, there are little moments, like, walking down the street, cuddling in bed together, talking about what they want to eat. That's, like, a lived-in relationship. That's not quite like what you see in the movies all the time. Talking about all these different events, I mean, we've already kind of mentioned there's a little bit of a time element to this movie them being childhood friends and then meeting again in like college and then meeting again in adulthood right all separated by 12 years during each event i guess each time it jumps it's another moment where these two have reconnected i like that very simple premise you know each time we meet up with them again right because it's literally the times they meet up Mm -hmm. separated because norm moves to canada And then 12 years later, through like the help of Facebook, they reconnect, right? And they start doing the video chat thing. I mean, I don't know how long that time is, right? Right. It doesn't matter, right? 12 years later, we get to this time where, you know, Sung has finally decided to take his vacation to America to see Nora. 
We see the beginning of Nora and Arthur's relationship in that middle part of the movie, the middle time jump, if you want to call it that way. But we skip over their wedding, right? We skip over their courtship because, you know, this movie's not really about them. Yeah. But so much is conveyed in the last segment of the movie where it's Nora, Arthur, and Haesung that you still understand so much about their relationship. And I thought this movie being only like an hour and 40 minutes, it's so well crafted that. Like, I understand each of these characters yeah, and their motivations. Going back to The Flash, that movie was two hours and like 20 or 30 minutes or whatever. And it's just parts of it are unnecessary or incoherent. It's just sloppy where sometimes movies like this, I love them so much because it's just so, it's tight. You know, it's so airtight yeah. and so well put together that... This is definitely one of my favorite movies of the year so far. Yeah, it's very elegantly crafted, I think. Just with the pacing and everything, like you said, tiny little scenes just convey so much in this movie. I think one of the best scenes in the movie is Arthur in bed with Nora. And like I think a lot of people in interracial relationships can relate to something like this, you know, where he's like, oh, you know, you dream in Korean. And that just always reminds me that there's a place within you where I just can't go. You know, you only speak in Korean when you talk in your sleep. I do? Yeah. You never sleep talking English. You only dream in Korean. I didn't know that. Yeah. You never told me that. Most of the times I think it's cute. Sometimes, I don't know. I guess I get scared. Scared of what? I'm dreaming a language that I can't understand. It's like there's this whole place inside of you where I can't go. And that just drills down into, like, in a very tender way, his own insecurities. He's like, sometimes I wonder, like, how much do you really love me? I feel like I'm the lucky one. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. he's talking about. I thought that was like a great scene. We keep coming back to this Arthur character because there is a lot of depth to this character. Yeah. Even at the end when, you know, Nora and Sung say their goodbyes, Nora is beginning to break down, mm -hmm. you know, along the street. And then he's there. It's very much like he's this supportive guy, right? He's there for his wife. But then mm -hmm. it also is like, it smells a little bit of, well, I think some of his insecurities are coming out, making sure she's still there, right? I read it almost like he was out there making sure that she is coming back. <laughs> I found that exchange interesting because he's there for his wife. You know, at the end, let's be honest, she's crying over this lost person, right? Maybe not mm -hmm. a lost love. You can argue it is. And he's there to be supportive. But I think he's also there to be a little nervous, a little nervous, but also be like, hey, I'm the one here. You know, like I'm your husband. I am here. Yeah. This is why we're together kind of thing. You know, like I read all of that in such a simple, simple scene. I don't know if you did, but yeah, that's kind of what I got out of it. I mean, Nora even says, hey, it's not like I'm going to blow up my life here and run away with Haesung, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I think Arthur knows that too. But, you know, there's something to what you said, right? Like he's out there maybe a little nervous. You'd be too, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's only human to be a little jealous in a situation like this. and. That's what's so great about this movie. All the little emotions bubbling up to the surface 
without being too overt or obvious or heavy handed. It's just fantastic. Yeah. To kind of talk about this again, like this is a love story. And like in the end, it's really the love between Nora and Arthur, but it's not the focus. We don't see that love story really. For me, it was about maybe a lost love that potentially it can turn into a friendship or is this reconciliation and this is them moving on i'm not sure you could probably read it many different ways but it's interesting because it's just not their traditional love story that i think we're used to seeing in film Mm -hmm. this is really interesting because this weekend i watched no hard feelings the new jennifer lawrence was that good did you like that there are parts of it that i liked i like the relationship between the two leads i'd say i like the first two-thirds of that movie Mm. I do think that the ending kind of loses me a little bit. And spoilers for that movie, that doesn't result in any kind of love story either, right? Like that movie is very much about a friendship that's formed. It's interesting watching these two movies back-to-back weekends, kind of seeing Mm. what I feel like are non-traditional love stories, right? Like the couple doesn't end up together at the end, right? Like it's not about that, but it's something more that we can, I guess as people, it's okay for us to be just friends i guess and i don't know did you get that feeling from this or do you think that they don't remain friends at the end of this i don't think they remain friends after this i don't know it's hard to say yeah this movie is more than just about a friendship because there is the romance angle between nora and Sung. it's yeah. not like there's no romance at all yeah so it's not about a platonic friendship that's for sure yeah like i said this is like a multiverse movie it's about the what ifs and letting go of the past and things that aren't meant to be. Mm-hmm. I wish Amir could have seen this movie. I'd love to hear his opinion. But if any of like our audience members have watched this movie, like I'm really interested. I read it a little differently. Like I want to be the optimist that thinks that they would still remain friends. That her crying at the end is really realizing that it is the end of what would have been any kind of idea of like a romance. Not to say that she was looking to rekindle. But I think that part of her life, she realizes by the end, is gone, right? Like that relationship, whatever she might have been holding on to, is gone. I don't know. I didn't necessarily think that they wouldn't remain friends by the end. But I could definitely see another version of someone's be like, yeah, no way you're going to be friends with someone you might have like, you know, dated or, you know, once loved but broke your heart. You know what I mean? Like, I could definitely see that factor too. Yeah, I think the tone and the mood of the ending gives me a sense of finality Mm. to that relationship. A finality to their relationship as people. Their friendship is also over. I mean, they go their separate ways again, right? Yeah. I mean, so I think both of them received closure from, you know, Heysun's visit to New York to Mm -hmm. see Nora. And I think, like, at the end, you know, they say goodbyes. And it's meant to be, you know, we'll see each other again, maybe another 12 years down the line. Yeah. But there's that whole catharsis of, her breaking down and then that curt goodbye they share in front of the uber just gives a sense of finality and closure where i don't think it's going to open up to a romance again i don't think that's ever going to happen oh you know, yeah. Just, I th- yeah i think so too i think so too i was specifically asking more like is the, also the friendship over then like did you read the friendship was over by the end of this movie i think that's an open-ended question it's open in a way where you can read it both ways or like you can read it however you like so I think that's one of the more fascinating things about the ending of this movie, just like the way different people might read it. 
I wanted to ask you as a New York native, did you find it kind of funny that when he first gets there, it's just like raining for days? His friends like laugh at him, the fact that he chose yeah. a time when it's like raining. <laughs> the whole time you're there, it's going to be raining. It's very, very funny. I mean, New York's not like as rainy as it is in, I don't know, say London or something. Yeah. But I mean, we've had that all the time, you know? Yeah. Just three, four days straight rain. I did think that was funny. Yeah. But just to rewind a little bit in the movie, another thing that I found very, very true to life is, you know, when they figure out that things aren't going to work out this time around, you know, when they connect over Skype. Real throwback, by the way, because, you know, everyone uses Zoom now. And to hear that Skype noise again yeah. yeah, kind of yep. took me back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that was a really sad moment, too, where they realized that the long distance thing isn't going to work out, you know. It's not like they actually started long distance dating or anything but like he's going to china for language exchange and then she wants to focus on her writing career she makes the decision to be like hey we got to stop talking for a little bit just so i can focus on my work and like this is you know to have myself hung up on you when you're so far away and you can't even come see me or i can't even come see you for another couple of years it's not helping the situation right so she's like we should stop talking for a while and I think a lot of people have situations like that where like, oh, we'll catch up soon and we'll hang out, we'll talk and all that. And then before you know it, 10, 12 years go by, right? Like that's definitely happened to me before too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Things just slip through the cracks and you don't find the time to pick up the phone. You don't reach out and we all have our own lives and sometimes it's hard to keep track and people slip through the cracks. Here, you know, it's 12 years later and by the time they reconnect, she's married, he has a girlfriend, and they're at a whole different stage in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. But also lending to the romance theme of it all. You know, and his friend even puts a lampshade on it, right? Calls him out for it. It's like, are you going to America just to see that girl, right? Just because you broke up uh -huh. with what's her name? It does make it seem like Sung is chasing something. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason he comes to visit America. If that is a point of contention, I think, between the two characters during after the first 12 year time jump when they reconnect over Skype. It's like, hey, are you going to come visit me? And then he's like, oh, well, I was going to go do this thing in Hong Kong, you know, and like learn Chinese. And it's good for, you know, me as a professional and like. And I, I understand that like long distance is not easy. And like, you know, there are sacrifices that have to be made. And like, mm -hmm. you see that these two characters kind of aren't at the moment willing to do that now 12 years later when like hey Sung's not on good terms with his current girlfriend and it sounds like they've broken up is this that time and is it too late you know we kind of learn at the end like it definitely is she's already married so i thought that was like absolutely kind of a real dynamic it's not just because it's you know we're watching it in this movie and it's 12 years later like something's gonna magically happen no you know people move on the timelines of these two people just didn't sync up for them to be together yeah quite a fascinating study of the dream state of like i said the what ifs what if i did this mm -hmm. or what if we did that me leaving the theater very engaged mentally you know like thinking about my own life absolutely yeah also just feeling a lot of those kind of same emotions that Nora does at the end of the movie. Like I remember at the end of this movie, I was like, I was trying to ball up because I was just like, Jesus Christ, this thing hits like yeah. a freight train at the end. So like half the theater came out like in tears. <laughs> yeah. At my second screening that I took Ashley to. Mm -hmm. A lot of people crying at this movie, um, which I totally understand. It's like you said, it does hit hard. You know, it definitely gets you thinking not just about your own romances and your own relationships, but 
every single little what if in your life, you know, like, what if you did this instead of that? What paths you could have taken if you, you know, made a different choice? And this movie really gets you thinking about those things. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that final scene in the bar, you know, it's so wonderfully awkward, too, you know, because yeah. Nora and Hazel are finally having, you know, that heart to heart and getting their relationship out in the open. And, you know, Nora's like, you know, that girl you knew, she still exists within me, but like, I'm not that person anymore. You know, that's like the finality that we get on their relationship. But that whole time, Arthur's just sitting on the side with his dick in his hand. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. And it's so awkward to watch. But yeah. also, you know, they don't leave you hanging because you get that, like you said, that connection between Sung and Arthur at the end mm-hmm. where it's very gracious between the two of them. And, you know, this movie is just about good, decent people. And I feel like we don't get enough of that. I love that about this movie. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Right. Rational thinking all around. Yeah. Talking about like Nora, Sung and Arthur, like it is interesting. Like we do get like a really quick glimpse of who's sitting across from them. It looks like a young white couple that's just watching these people. And like you said, they're the audience surrogate because I would probably be doing the same. You know, if yeah. me and Deborah were sitting across from them, we might be like, what do you think's going on over there? Like, oh, that's kind of a unique situation, right? Yeah. I do agree with you. Like there are moments in that final scene that are sincere but also very funny, also very awkward. One interesting thing is like we learn that Arthur, being the good guy he is, is taking it upon himself to learn some Korean, ingratiate himself into like some Korean culture, right? Better mm-hmm. know her family. And even me, I was questioning like, how much of it is he picking up on this? Like he must be picking up yeah. like words here and there, right? Yeah, that must yeah, be yeah. also very awkward for Arthur right now to be yeah. able to maybe understand a little bit of what they're saying. I right? definitely thought that too. I was like, if he actually understood that, I feel like that should not have yeah. been said. Do you know what I mean? Like, you probably should not have heard that. <laughs> yeah, because they become very honest between them. In their minds, they're like, well, Arthur doesn't know what we're talking about, so we can be very honest with each other. But then I'm also like, well, Arthur's shown that he's a pretty smart guy that's learned the little Korean <laughs> along the way. So I wonder how much of this he's picking up, which I thought it was very funny and very awkward. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It, this movie is just so many layers and just so many ways to jump into the different perspective of all these characters. And I really, really did love this movie a lot. I mean, we're talking about Arthur a lot, but... I mean, Greta Lee and Teo Yu, they're great too. I think Teo Yu probably is the quietest out of all three. So I feel like maybe the praises are probably being sung that loudly for him. But he's fantastic in this too. There's a lot of under-the-surface performance here too, you know? Oh, absolutely. That disappointment and the hurt when Nora says, you know, we should probably stop talking to each other for a little bit. You can see him, like, swallow that lump he has in his throat on the Skype call, right? And how almost devastated he is. Because I don't think that's something he was expecting at all. Yeah. I mean, you also have to think about how they probably filmed this movie. Like, I mean, I would imagine they they weren't really actually on Skype calls together, right? Like, that's not how they film movies. To have to then act essentially, like, against the screen, right? To portray those emotions and portray that kind of love, between the two of them the Mm -hmm. love for me between the two of them over a screen i thought was really powerful that alone kind of shows the power of these two actors Mm -hmm. yeah i mean everything's coming up greta lee (laughs) she was in spider-verse yes she's in russian doll now she's in this 
Yeah, I definitely would be interested in following her career and seeing yeah, where, where it's going. Yeah, she has quite a presence. I think she has a very arresting presence that puts forth a very magnetic performance in this. I definitely like her. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot. And I'm glad you brought up uh, Linklater's Before Trilogy because this is very reminiscent of that. You know, with the time jumps yes. and the soul searching and, you know, the New York of it all, you know, the sightseeing and stuff. It's got very similar vibes. If you don't know those movies, those are kind of like the Bibles of romance movies. Oh, right? absolutely, like for sure. Especially after knowing those movies and then watching this, like those kind of set the expectation, right? Because in those movies, what we thought would happen in this movie is kind of what happens in those, right? Like two lovers that fall in love in one movie, but then like nine years later when the second movie comes in, that's when they actually rekindle formal relationship. But then the third movie is, again, the evolution of that relationship. So it's like, Really interesting to watch this movie, Past Lives, having that knowledge of those movies. Um, yeah, I found it very fascinating. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up? No, I think maybe my favorite movie of the year so far. I might agree with you so far. I mean, pretty much right at the end of the six months here. So we got another half a year gone. But like this and, and Spider-Verse are definitely strong contenders for end of the year list for me. Definitely up there. Yeah, I do really hope Amir does still find a chance to watch this because i think this could be a movie that makes all of our top tens if he watches it yeah, yeah. and you know i like this is mine from real life semi-autobiographical celine song she emigrated from south korea as well and then her husband is if you don't know this justin karitsky's and he is writing the new luca guadagnino movie challengers the zendaya oh. tennis movie Mm-hmm. I think it's funny. If you don't know this, there's this viral video from, oh God, I think probably a decade ago called Potion Seller. <laughs> so he's the mm. one behind that. It's so funny. It's so funny how these people are all interconnected and the analogs in this movie with, you know, John Magaro's Arthur and stuff. I think it's very, very funny. A lot of uh, synchronicity there. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, but uh, definitely, I think, high recommends from both of us. I know this is a smaller movie. I know it's probably nearing the end of its run. So if you're at all interested, I, I definitely recommend trying to catch this one. Um, it's a great movie. Yeah. Great movie. And I think you can tell that Celine Song is primarily a playwright because, you know, this is a very talky, quiet mm -hmm. movie. But it never feels like a play. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of these movies, they can come off as feeling like a play somewhat oh absolutely and i think you know to give him credit shabir kirshner who's the cinematographer really lends a great eye to this movie where the use of the spaces between characters negative space really brings a visual flair to this movie that makes it cinematic and not stage-like in the beginning of the movie i remember Sung and nora going their separate ways up the different steps in Korea, right? That's a great shot that I remember. Them in the sculpture mm -hmm. garden, the way they filmed New York. Yeah, I mean, this movie looks great too. I don't think we have anything else to say. So yeah, I think that'll conclude this week's episode. Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. Well, what about you, Derek? Uh, you can find me at the world's okayest photos. Uh, but if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get this show, uh, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other popular podcast apps. 
another really great way to support our podcast is to give us a great rating. It really helps to get our voice out to more people. Yeah, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on past lives, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting listener mail. Sometimes we read it out on the pod. And with that, we will see you 